0: I need your help. I can't tell you what it is, you can never ask me about it later, and we're going to hurt some people.
1: Whose car are we going to take? Welcome to Trilogy in Theory. My name is Webb, and this is my co-host Mike, and we wrap up our March trilogy with the heist thriller The Town, starring and directed by the wonderful Ben Affleck. It's easy for us to take a movie like this for granted, because it does call back to potentially uh, more famous and better done films like Heat and The Killer. A lot of the themes that are explored are ones that we've seen before. We've got the villain with a heart of gold, the honor among thieves, the women who are scorned. A lot of this stuff is really, really good. I don't think that it's particularly
0: groundbreaking, but boy, is it well done. Where are you with the town? That's interesting. Uh, so I'll shout out uh, an associate of ours, uh, a neighbor of yours, uh, Hiro, that uh, I host uh, sober cinema with, and uh, I saw his uh, letterbox review because all I remember of this was that it was a financial hit, it was a critical hit, that it uh, it took a big step step up, maybe not critically, but certainly from the mainstream audience <clears throat> from uh, Affleck's previous film, Gone Baby Gone, that probably. <laughs> Uh, you know, pre Casey Affleck being an Oscar winning actor for Manchester by the Sea, it's probably because you got the more recognizable Affleck. Like, I don't know if it was a uh, studio mandate where it's like, Ben, if you want to keep doing your sort of directing career path, you got to cast yourself. You got to pull a costner. You got to put yourself front and center because you're the star. But I just remember that it was, it was well liked all around. Um, now certainly the films that you mentioned, I don't even think Heat got, uh, Oscar acclaim during its time. It's a trapping of the genre. It is not Heat. Heat probably looks like the Academy Award-winning version of this. But that's what I like about this one. I, I like that it's pure genre fare, just extremely well done, which used to be a staple of like 70s cinema. Yeah. That you're like, we're going to do a crime movie. We're going to put stars in it, some great character actors. We're going to have some great character beats. And that was satisfying enough. It didn't have to be one or the other. It didn't have to be popcorn entertainment. It didn't have to be chasing Oscar gold. It could just be very well made ABC thriller. You're, that's it. And uh, now I'm assuming if this came out, it would it would be like readapted into like an FX series or something. <laughs> like, well, we to Turn this yeah. to TV. We're gonna make this a mini-series, Unfortunately, um, but. Hyro's uh sort of pithy Letterbox review it was like you know three out of five or something right down the middle It's like yeah we've been there done that but for what it is it's pretty good and i'm like what the fuck's wrong with that like <laughs> i'm like what like what is it uh you know what is the saying that there's only like seven plots or something like that like everything is a copy of a copy of a copy mm-hmm. and if you're gonna steal from something steal from heat do heat in boston that's fine sure do a heist spoiler alert uh, which I think they did hide in the initial marketing, but you know, then they quickly realized, hey, we've got a selling point here. Uh, yeah, steal from Fenway Park. Yeah, let's use this iconic sort of institution, this landmark, and we'll make this like a pure sort of Boston thriller. Is a favorite of mine from 2010. I mean, it probably would have been one of my <clears throat> nominees if I got to pick the five to ten best pictures, whatever it was at the time. I do have a little bit of a bone to pick with you though, <laughs> because <laughs> you were somewhat you were wanting to do another athlete joint for this, which would have would have fit for our chosen theme that we'll reveal um in the next episode. I think our clever fans probably uh you know, see through our ruse as far as what the what the thematic connection is between these three films, which uh if you notice Webb, we did go evenly a decade apart. I noticed that. 2000, 2000, I like that. Um you really recommended, uh, the extended edition because Mr. Affleck himself says that's his preferred version, has a different, different ending. And I told you, I'm like, yeah, I, I didn't see this theatrically for whatever reason. I saw it on, uh, Blu-ray first. I'm like, I'm pretty sure I, I watched it. I probably watched it that way because usually with the home video release, they kind of say, hey, go with the extended cut. I had not. <laughs> and the ending I got, Mr. Affleck's ending, uh, maybe even your ending, uh I did not greatly prefer i <laughs> was a, you slap in the face to the town that I knew and loved. And I'm like, what the fuck is this <laughs> so no, i am uh you know I'm a Spielberg here I'm a theatrical experience guy, not this home video streaming market bullshit no no no, no no you you have to wrap this up in a way that I leave the theater happy, so yeah, apparently, this is my first time watching the extended cut, and other than the uh I would, say, well, actually, I'll take that back. I was about to say just the ending itself. It was a film that I've not revisited in a number of years. Uh, I did kind of, for some reason, I felt the, the parts. It's like, I, I think I can pick out all the parts that were added in, uh, and could feel the, the sort of the, was it the, uh, was it the chuffa? Is that what you've said in the podcast? Is that how you've referenced the, <laughs> Bruce <laughs> the was, that's what he bits? calls it. Like, yeah. this is all chuffa. Let's yeah. get to the point. Yeah. Uh, I felt like I could feel it. Uh, but I, I mean, other than that, other than those minor complaints, uh I had a great time with it because with the theatrical entertainment sort of environment we're in now, uh, boy, was I wistful for this. Way more so than something like American Psycho, which I think can like still sneak out. I don't know if something like The Town <laughs> is coming to theaters with with this budget, with a big movie star. I don't know. I mean, by God, Ben Affleck just had a new movie drop on Hulu. That's right. <laughs> uh, Hulu. Golly! Yeah, so,
1: and that's how films like Heat are able to become uh, the cult classic. It's, I, it's not even a cult classic. It is a classic at this point, and to the point where there is a wonderful British uh, sitcom called Peep Show. An awesome little gimmick to it is that you are in first person view of somebody. The entire runtime of the show Tricky to do But they managed to do it uh, And in an episode The uh, two main characters Who are roommates End up going on a double date uh, To a theatrical play Like a sit down play And they're both having a terrible time And one leans over to the other We could be at home Watching heat on DVD <laughs> The the other one responds, I'm going to close my eyes and pretend I am watching (laughs) it. Like that's how – like sometimes you just need to release a good movie and not really have to worry about awards consideration and whether you're like, oh, man, am I uh, taking too much from this? Just release a good movie and that's what the town is. In terms of the ending, I watched this with my wife. I was like, oh, I think she might like it, knowing full well. I was like, all right, well, the ending, sometimes the way you leave them. Is, is, uh, uh, makes a great impact. And I was like, all right, the ending was a little bit of a downer, but not too bad. And so we watched it, and I completely had forgotten about the extended cuts ending. And then as it was happening, I was like, uh oh, those guys are cornering <laughs> him from before. I feel like they're gonna explore the concept of consequences here. Uh oh. And they did, and I was like, oh, darn. And so my wife, uh, when she watched she's like, wow, oh, it was really good, but boy, was it sad. I was like, yeah, <laughs> sorry about that. That wasn't, that wasn't really what. And so I showed her the theatrical ending, and she's like, oh, I guess it's better. <laughs> but yeah, you can't unsee it. What's funny is that Ben did mention he thought the ending that played in the theaters was right. Is like that's that's mm. the correct theatrical ending. And so all the extended cut and the ending here, it's like if you liked all of that and you really responded to it, I think that you will really like the extended stuff. And for the casual viewers who just want like a good lean thriller, the theatrical cut is just fine. And I kind of hate that. I hate knowing that there are multiple versions of film. That's why Ridley Scott stuff and – I'm very much in Nolan's camp here – Finish the movie before you film the movie. Like, <laughs> you know, decide on well, all it's these the
0: things. That's the Hitchcock style too, right? I mean, Hitchcock, he just, he, he had it all in his head. He was very thorough as far as shot for shot. Yeah. I want to do it. Uh, it felt very, um, it's based on a novel, Prince of Thieves, which I, I never read. I think, I think I have a, or used to have a copy of it, bought it before this movie came out. Didn't make the connection that the town was Prince of Thieves. And then when I found out, I was like, well, I can get rid of this fucking book. (laughs) Don't need to read it now. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Benny Boo read it for me. (laughs) But having seen the extended version, I feel way more justified now because the alternate ending, you know, Affleck's preferred ending, but maybe I agree with him, not the right ending. uh, It feels way too novelistic. I've I've been crushing audiobooks at work lately and I've been reading a little bit more at home. And the thriller genre, when it comes to novels, they're they're, they're trash compared to, to, like, you can make a film adaptation of the same thing. And I feel like the films are always more artfully done. And the problem I have with novels is there seems to be an obsession with wrapping up every loose end. There's like, unless it's like a literary novel, if it's a genre novel, any little side character that starts talking too much, you're like, oh how's this cook going to come back into the thriller? Like, what is she hiding? That sort of thing. And the ending of the home video uh, version of the town, the extended version felt like we got to bring back those people that those one people that in the theatrical version, it's just to make a point. It's a character building point about this bond between two guys that has a lot of frayed edges to it. And it's like, you're using someone, you're using this buddy of yours to do something horrific, but you also want to absolve yourself of having any ties to him. You're like, well I'm not that guy, but you can be that guy in the right circumstance, and you're choosing to to turn that switch off. But this guy's the guy I'm talking about is Jamie Renner. He's actually far more honest about what he is. Like he he knows his end point. He knows that he's going to die in a gunfight because he doesn't really want to just live with himself. He doesn't want to just go to Florida and fish. And so I don't like, I don't like Ben Affleck. <laughs> I guess being brought down to that, where it's like the author is like, you see, you were always a shit, <laughs> and now we're going to prove you're no different than Jamie Ritter. I much prefer someone having to live with what they've done, and and seeing what kind of man they can they can become after that. It's not, either way, it's not a happy ending. It's not like everybody gets exactly what they what they want. Either way you choose, but. This one felt a little too cute for me, the extended version. It was a little, a little too clean.
1: You do ultimately pay for the life that you live. That, that's, in both endings, it's the same uh, concept. Either you inflict that violence upon others and it comes back to bite you in the ass, or everything that you had hoped for, that normal life, is taken away from you. And you're right. like That ending uh, where you have to live with what you did – is arguably more brutal than, like, a quick death. But there's something, uh, the the finality of that, I think, will leave an audience with a little worse taste, even though it's like, well, he's unhappy for the rest of his life,
0: but at least he's alive. I don't know why. (laughs) He's on a boat. (laughs) Great weather. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it's... It's not quite talented, Mr. Ripley, but use that as an example. Like, uh, you know, one thing I love about that uh, uh, Mangala film is the, uh, and obviously, like that was a, a literary character that did, you know, it didn't get wrapped up in one adventure <laughs> with Mr. Ripley. But you know, the the striking, you know, spoiler alert for Talented Mr. Ripley, but the striking bit about the ending is it, it is clearly gotta get a man on a boat that has to live with the fact that he'll never achieve. A normal degree of happiness for himself. He's always always going to be a fucking fake. He's always going to be uh, this this monster leeching off of people. And I can't imagine the ending of that film where he commits that act and then. Like, the detective was, like, spying on him. <laughs> like, the, the private investigator was like, aha, ha I caught you, Ripley, now you're going to prison? Like, you know, the, the sort of haze Code version where, like, no one, like, gets away with everything. Like, that's honestly what the extended version of the town felt like. It felt like something where it's like, all criminals have to suffer and it has to be wrapped up. You can't ever allude to the fact that uh, criminals got away with anything. A little too cute. I want to talk about something. I want to talk about the chicks, though, Web. I want to talk about the women okay. in the town. Can we switch gears a little bit here? Sure. So my wife, I'll go ahead and throw her under the bus. Like you know, she's uh, not someone that uh, expresses uh, certainly as much enthusiasm as I do and the lovely ladies of Hollywood. But she's a big Blake Lively fan. A uh, simple favor, which was one of our early episodes of Trilogy and Theory. She's a big fan of. And you know, you talk about a swing here. Ben Affleck's trying to distance himself from his his buddy uh, Jeremy Renner. He's had a prior relationship with Blake Lively, who they do they do their best to to make I guess a trashy version of Blake Lively, but he's still Blake Lively. <laughs> yeah, right. My wife kind of injected like a curious bit of like backstory, like the world building of the town. She's like, at what point does Ben Affleck honestly like he's still robbing banks? What point does he break it off with Blake Lively in that world? Like, what what was enough for him? of her bullshit to where he's like, you know what I ought to do? I ought to date the woman I just robbed from. <laughs> Talk about incestuous. He's like trying to escape one incestuous family. He even has a line where he's like telling Jeremy Renner's character, like we're not just all going to be living together. Like me and your sister together and you and just one big extended family. Like that's bullshit. Get that out of your head. Um But yet his dating pool, at least in the content of this film is, people he's committed violent (laughs) crimes upon (laughs) basically my wife was positing that uh the film doesn't prove enough that uh he should break up with blake love she doesn't think he's making any healthier life choices by trying to romance a victim of his criminal life did that did that romance work for you at all the Rebecca Hall stuff?
1: Well, all the stuff that your wife is mentioning, this is all great material for the eventual straight-to-streaming miniseries that should come out of the <laughs> town. on FX or Hulu. <laughs> yeah. You know, the Rebecca Hall character, uh Claire, it's not so much that she's better in any one way or other from Blake Lively, it's that she represents I can hear my wife yelling in the room she's not (laughs) (laughs) it's metaphorical (laughs) rebecca hall just represents the end game that doug wants to get to it's like i can escape this uh, uh situation and all the moments with him visiting his father and and that continue to pull him back jeremy renner he, and Blake Levy, they all represent his current state of affairs, and he's just he wants to find that escape route, and that's what Rebecca Hall is for him. And we as audience members are just so crushed in the moment where he's looking at her through the binoculars, I think, and and he, the realization that no, she has ultimately turned on him because she's an upstanding citizen, she's a regular person,
0: John Hamm. That's why John Ham ass. <laughs> you just do what you're told. <laughs> Don Draper comes to town. <laughs> you know one of the quotes that Ben said.
1: He was so happy to have John Ham in his film because I think this was at the height of Mad Men, and he was like, "We're glad we're to stop on the Ham train." Like we're so happy that he got mm-hmm. the. Uh, <laughs> unfortunately, the Ham train isn't that popular a ride apparently because he he doesn't get the work that I feel like he should. Too much of this SNL nonsense.
0: I was gonna say, do you think that's a personal choice on his part? It seems like he, you know, he's not jumped into the Marvel verse or anything. It's not like he's, you know, taking steps. Like even, you know, we talked about Pattinson this month. You know, Robert Pattinson steps back from Twilight, does good time, uh, does the Lighthouse, is doing like the sort of like the Letterbox crowd stuff that they're going crazy for. <laughs> but as soon as he can get that Batman role, he's right back into to blockbuster territory, and you can see it. You know, it's the old. As Affleck himself said, this sort of one for me, one for them. Like he's he's done his Armageddon, he did his version of Jack Ryan, that's fine. John Hamm doesn't seem to ever do the Jack Ryan, or and I don't think it's because he couldn't get that stuff offered. It's like I think he just legitimately seems like he does what he is interested in, and if it's like he wants to play the douchebag and bridesmaids, that's what he's gonna fucking do. He doesn't <laughs> care if it's the romantic lead and the great million dollar arm there. That- oh. You and I both love, and I have to tell you that on, uh, off screen death, where we had that conversation with Dave on that show, (laughs) it's, it's still one of our least download episodes. It's like anything (laughs) with like Indian content (laughs) just gets, (laughs) we've not yet hit that market. And look, that's maybe a little unfair because I think our love for a million dollar arm is, uh, much higher than the average. But, you know, hats off to John Hamm that she, he's not, he's not just looking to, to play, uh, Deathstroke in, you know, (laughs) like a cinematic universe. He's just, he's doing a baseball movie about Indian kids. Uh, he's fucking Kristen Wiig and, um, (laughs) then stepping out on her as quickly as possible. Like, you know, he's just, he's, uh, he's a guy that I, I really respect, but I do wish he I wish he'd had a few surefire hits on the ham train. That's, that's, that's certain.
1: Yeah, no, I, I'm glad that actually you mentioned that concept, that you're right, he is doing things that he's interested in. He was in a Clear History, that, like, direct-to-HBO movie with Larry David. I was like, what is he doing in this? What are they both... Well, I guess Larry <laughs> David, sure, whatever.
0: But what is John Hamm doing in this? But you I'm know, sure what? his agent says the same thing. Like, dude, what? <laughs> what is this weird, quirky project you're doing? He is going to be in uh, Top Gun Maverick, but... You know, I mean, I look under. He was in Good Omens, the Amazon no Games okay. series. Right on, yeah. Uh, Kerber enthusiasm, couple appearances. So, uh oh, he was. I take that back. He he was the voice of Tony Stark in Marvel's Modoc Hulu series. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> okay, so even that. It's like if you're going to do the Marvel thing, what the fuck is this? <laughs> like, right.
1: <laughs> He's going to crush all the all the fanboys who want John Krasinski to be Mr. Fantastic and, and, and do that. That and then uh, and it would be fitting that he finally enters the MCU and people are like, "Boo, we don't want you
0: here." <laughs> yeah, we wanted the other the other uh white guy from a famous TV series like, you know, how will they ever get over it, Web? Uh, until the movie comes out and then like Michael Keaton in Batman before, they're like, "How could we ever have been so wrong? This is our guy." Uh he is not playing very likable in the town though. I mean, he's 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 playing super douchey f b i guy like he's you know he's he's uh ready to to swing for the fences on every scene as far as he's he's ready he's a character that seems to think I can't wait till I get my gotcha moment i'm gonna go ahead and talk shit before that happens. Just so I can relive this again, like <laughs> I want to have it <laughs> twice. I, I adore his character. Obviously, I adore that ego on this man.
1: And it's the classic uh, lovable rogue scenario where you love the bad guy and you hate the good guy. That's just how it is, uh, and it's worked. But do for you so actually long.
0: hate Ham here? I don't
1: think no, I do. because I <laughs> love Ham. <laughs> That's why, because you can't. Because I think we—is this a problem with us people like us who? enjoy film on just a different level (laughs) no matter no matter what you ask yes the problem is probably (laughs) us (laughs) where it's like like as much as yes i will be on the ride with the filmmaker and and whatever they're asking for us to feel i will feel that but in the back of my mind i'll also appreciate all the heavy duty work that this unlikable character uh the actor who's playing this unlikable character is doing to make him so unlikable like I, I we enjoy films on not a higher level just a different level uh, than i think uh, the average movie going audience who uh, might be like yeah where what happened to john ham because they're not seeking out million dollar arm or the uh, uh, <laughs> the direct to hbo movies so
0: i, I can <laughs> understand that uh, I mean, in some way, maybe, you know, maybe, an an auteur would be like, Hey, come, come in clean. Don't know anything, which, you know, how far do you take that? Do you like not watch any trailers? Do you not see TV spots? Like you, do you come in and just treat it as this unique, uh, story we're going to tell you? And, and it's all going to be fresh. Like you're not going to be manipulated in anyway, including by your, your love of John Hamm. You, you have to leave that at the fucking door. Uh, I mean that's ridiculous. That's you know it's not even how the the industry industry started. You know it was all about the faces on the screen. Yeah, if you're like Clark Gable. You're gonna go see Clark. Gable. You don't care what it is. It's it's Clark Gable. You. So I don't think we're doing anything wrong. I do think you know you could probably say that you and I are far more interactive <laughs> with the film that we're engaging with <laughs> sure. than maybe intended. But for me, that's also part of being a film geek. I I enjoy that that process of it. Of. Of uh, tracking down the next, you know, uh, voice appearance in an animated cartoon on Hulu of, of John Ham, <laughs> something that let's face it, I'm never going to watch. It's just going to go back to the back of the queue, and it's like, oh yeah, that sort of thing.
1: We are getting to that point where it's either content or the individual. Like, like if you like an actor like John Ham, you can probably go onto their social media and find out how their bile movement was the other day. It's just, it's like, it's so saturated. Realistically, I'm never going to watch The Mandalorian. Like, I just, no interest. The Boba Fett show, no interest. (laughs) Even the Mm -hmm. wonderful Ewan McGregor who's coming back as Obi-Wan. Like, eh. Whatever. It's not going to make any difference to me. But it's like, yeah, we're just so saturated right now in terms of content with something like Modag. And even if it has people who you really love, you're like, I don't, I don't know. I don't I don't know if I have the time. There's just too much other crap to do. I'm losing sleep almost every day because <laughs> I have to be a husband, a father, I have to go to work, <laughs> and I got to get through these fucking comic books. Like, it's just it's too much.
0: Got to. Got to. <laughs> Self-imposed, hobbies, of course. Uh, I thought you were going to go darker and saying that <laughs> my life is ending every second of the day I can't be bothered with what you're doing <laughs> John Ham <laughs> going back to the old Hollywood standard you get one picture a year <laughs> one John Ham of it and that's it uh, I wanted to touch upon Jeremy Renner because I think he's the one that got the most acclaim. I believe he was the only one that was nominated, right? I don't know. If, was this film nominated for anything else no, at the that, Oscars? That was or it. Was it?
1: And, that was it. And just like uh, his uh, Gong Baby Gone, like you've got that. What? I What? Well, Amy Ryan was nominated for the best supporting, and you got another supporting role here nominated. So good on um ben affleck's uh direction and and at, at the very least like casting the individuals that make an impact he he was he was very good in this and he he plays he it's a flashy role and i think it's a role that really uh actors uh gravitate towards i don't want to make comparison but you take a look at like the joker in dark knight where it's like you, it's, a lot of the enjoyment like hinges on certain performances and certain roles
0: and and uh, renner kills it what did you think I was curious when people turned on him because he was, it was this and, uh, this was coming off of the Hurt Locker, I believe, right? Oh, for, yeah. For Renner. So he was, he was assembling sort of like a, a great cast, not up and cumbers, but people who had, I guess, you know, heat at that time had just done something that was really successful. And I don't know, was it just. Renner joining the MCU as Hawkeye like because there was a turn to where during that where it's like oh he's the Marvel character we all fucking hate we all agree on that <laughs> <right>? <laughs> he was you know he was like the cool actor for a, a brief window maybe two or three years uh, where it was like, good for him. Good for him that he's like, you know, he's getting the spotlight, getting his day in the sun. And it's like, as soon as he cashed that check, where he's like, yeah, good for me. People are like, fuck you, Renner. <laughs> <laughs> fuck you and your bow and arrows. I say that as someone who did not watch, you know, as you just alluded to, all of the content we get on these various squares on our, our home, on our home screens. Uh, I did not watch the Hawkeye series. So I, I can't speak to where that character's gone or if it's been redeemed in the eyes of the dorks. It was just refreshing, and it was a bit of a time capsule. Where it was like, "Hey, here's a moment where everyone loved Jeremy Renner, and he was recognized, you know, for for his talents." And I don't know if I—I I feel weird saying that because I felt like, even though I have no real opinion on him as Hawkeye, I'm like, "Oh, but this is the dude I'm supposed to hate, right? We all hate him." It was like, I can't say anything good about Jeremy Renner. Where did that come from? Like, that's that's like been talked about before. Was like Anne Hathaway? Like, the internet hates Anne Hathaway, and it's like no one seems to know where where or why that started but i'm asking you more as the compo guy where why jeremy renner and hawkeye why is that so despised
1: i don't know i I think there was a little bit of a personal story with him like there were some domestic issues with his uh significant other at the time and i mean that's that's a quick way for the internet uh to turn on you especially that initial headline you as soon as the first uh headline breaks then that's the story forever, even though like most stories uh, and, and news is always ever-evolving. You're getting new information, and then you are updating it. But nobody cares about the updates. just that first thing you find out, like, hey, did you hear about this? And then no one ever bothers to follow up on it. Like, yeah, let me send you a link to the article. No, 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 thank you. No, thank you.
0: I was just taking it far more innocently. I'm like, wow. A lot of people really care about the Hawkeye. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's all. Really, they find his performance really distasteful.
1: Actually, after the first Avengers film where Hawkeye – I think a lot of people were excited because he made a cameo in Thor. And, yeah. and I remember being like I, – I was so excited at the end of Thor. I was like, we got to see Hawkeye. I was like, Thor was okay. But Hawkeye and it's Renner right on. And then uh, he kind of was relegated to being like a quasi villain in the Avengers film. Like when Uh the the Joss Whedon yeah thing, yeah the, the mind control aspect. When's when's Hawkeye going to get his time? And he kind of does in Avengers two, but I don't know. He's he, he <laughs> his role in that movie is kind of like this is all crazy, <laughs> but I'm dealing with it. I don't know. I'm not sure when it happened, but to speak to the concept of too much content. Yes, that Hawkeye show came out. I was real excited about it because I loved the Matt Fraction comic book series that came out and it seemed, and it's very, very, um, indebted to that. And I saw the first episode, but then I found out that. D'Onofrio makes an appearance in Hawkeye, and I had to stop. My wife and I were watching it, and I was like, well, oh, maybe we should go through Daredevil. And we got through like three episodes of Daredevil. I was like, there is just too much to go. But not well, like, so it's like as new content comes <laughs> out and makes references to old content, now I have to go through that stuff
0: in order to. Boy, it is just a lot to keep track of all this. And, and that's why. I feel like this is a great point to make how we started this conversation. People were like, well seen it before. It's just, it's heat in Boston. Something be said about it's heat in Boston? Alright. I'm in for two hours. And then it's over. I don't have to watch anything else. Exactly. It's, it's a nice, tight little thriller.
1: Are you kidding me? It's like, Ben Affleck's gonna ask us for two hours of time. He's not gonna be like, hey, by the way, you wanna know all the other heists I did? <laughs> watch this miniseries. It's like, <laughs> I, I do long for films like this, and I'm glad that they exist. And so, uh, I mean, you can... People can give the town as many three out of fives as they want on Letterbox, but damn it, like I'm gonna come back yeah, to Iro it and enjoy
0: it. you Fucking idiot! <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I don't want to call those people idiots. I'm just saying
0: that I'm gonna appreciate. Well, we know them. him, so it's allowed. That's <laughs> a direct shot, and I know he listens as well. So that's you know, it's added pleasure for all of us involved. I don't know if I'm going to include this, but real quick. I do like the idea of that cheery music playing after calling Hiro a fucking <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I, I always think of forever editing in my head.
1: <laughs> so, uh, Charlestown, they really try to make it a character in the film, especially right away. They're like, you know, uh, the the quotes are about all the bank robberies. So did you think that they made Charlestown, like the, the town, a an actual character? I
0: thought that was fairly effective through uh, Renner and Lively. I think through the, the people you, you meet, um... Certainly with some of the the set pieces, uh, you know, the, I guess the sort of university side, uh, the institutions of Boston, uh, especially that, that one, uh, heist gone wrong. There, there was a feeling to me. It's like, oh, this shouldn't be taking place here. Like when they're trying to cross the bridge back to where they live in the sort of, you know, lower income, uh, you know, you see them in their backyard and you see some of the conversations they have against like a chain link fence, like, It's subtle, but it's like, you know, Boston itself, the the version that is sold, you know, when you're watching the World Series or something on TV, it's, you know, it's Harvard and it's, you know, it's, it's statues and it's, you know, Paul Revere and all this, this thing. And I thought, I I think they did. I mean, when you're titling the film, The Town, you are, you're certainly telegraphing with uh, some expository dialogue as far as like, oh, this is a separate community within this larger community. But I felt like through the set pieces, they actually did for me. Through the set pieces and some of the character work of uh of Blake L- I think Blake Lively actually is really good here. You know, I was making a joke about my my wife you know finding her very attractive and being like Rebecca Hall. Um, <laughs> oh. But <laughs> but uh she's also not a Vicky Cristina Barcelona fan, so when we I think that one's coming up next month. I watched that one by myself. She'd seen it before. She's like, yeah, uh, thanks, but no thanks. Um,
1: oh, see, my wife, uh, I watched it with her. Cause I, I don't know what to expect because I'd never seen it. And she dug it in a big way. Not so much oh,
0: wow. not okay. so much
1: for the story, but just uh, kind of the way I enjoy certain films as well. Whereas, like, I just love the setting and just the journey that these characters are on. Like, I'm not in love with the story or anything, but I like the way that it's presented. And then... Penelope
0: Cruz in that movie we so got we're we're gonna talk God it's a great film. That's gonna be fun. Yeah. Yeah, I I did I actually did. I mean it's it's a little he- a little heavy handed, but yeah. You know, I, I'm I think the actors moved along. But that's why you get guys like
1: Renner and Ham and, and uh who, who's the actor? Bosch, the uh the other
0: detective that's working with Ham. Is it uh Titus Welliver, Is that his name? Like his character actor. I don't can't remember if he was in Deadwood or whatever. Yeah, but he's yeah. He's he's definitely a face.
1: He's great. And then also the uh, you know the last role for Pete Postlewaite, who is so good. It's like you need you don't want to completely go pure villain with John Hamm, and you don't want to make Ben Affleck such an unlikable rogue. But you need that one person who anchors uh, the the story and the setting, and and that's who uh, this wonderful florist is. And and uh, Affleck talks about it how Pete was like did the research on on flowers and what florists do. So the way he's cutting the flowers and everything like that's that's how they do it. What a
0: freaking pro!
1: Like I miss actors like him.
0: I only I can only disparage the the character that he's playing. That you have a, a man that has robbed people at gunpoint and has been has, has made his his made profession something very stressful that can, as much as he tries to avoid it, he has to be willing to kill someone to like the heat mode to to get you out of my way. Like I don't want to do it, but I have to <laughs> to tell someone a bank robber that's like, hey, I'm I'm. I'm getting out of this. I'm retiring. You know, like if we need to do it with my guys, whatever. Like I'll try to make the transition easy, but you know, here's my two week notice or whatever. And to respond to him with like, uh, Hey, remember when you were a crybaby about your, your mother who abandoned you? It was like, yeah, I got her hooked up on, on heroin, got her hooked on drugs. She took to it easy. And what a fucking fool you were as a six year old in my head. I'm thinking like, you have to know, Florist, that you are a character that's going to be shot in the next 20 minutes of this film. Like you can't, you cannot speak to a man who's made his life robbing banks and handling big guns and expect when you talk about his mother in that way. So that is his open wound he's carried for his entire life. It makes it fun. That, that's, that's part of the genre thing where you have to allow it because I, I would, I would assume in real life, that no one in a criminal enterprise is that cocky to where they're like you don't to tell a desperate man I'm going to tell him his mom was a fucking skank whore and I'm responsible for it
1: but the thing is he plays it in that way where like this guy's ego is so high that he, he thinks he's his so untouchable As
0: one dude as one dude sitting with a pistol off in the corner it's like you don't have like a strike force surrounding you flower man <laughs> But no, I always enjoy it because, as a you know, as an audience member, I'm like, Oh, you're gonna get it? Oh yeah! <laughs> you're get it. Like for saying, yeah. It. so yeah. It's a,
1: it's okay it. if you are a little ahead of the film. It, it's fine. Like the journey is great. Everything pretty much about it is great. Even if it's something that is just going to fill up an afternoon, it's going to be an afternoon of excellent execution uh, from all parties involved. Uh, so. Yeah, man, I, I I dug the town, even even if it didn't uh, reinvent the wheel. It, it's it's just a good time at the movies. It's what the movies are all about.